if you will, open in your Bibles to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 3. And if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Romans chapter 3, we'll be dealing with verse 21 through verse 24, Lord willing. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. Father God, <clears throat> I ask that you would come now. Oh, how desperately do I need you? How desperately do we all need you? Father God, if you do not come, this will be of no profit. It will bear no fruit in anyone's life. No one will be sanctified. No one will be justified. Perhaps there are some in here this morning that you have appointed unto eternal life from this very message. So I pray that your word would run swiftly and be glorified now and you would help me. Help me, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in these four verses, it deals with a truth that is not only the heart and soul of Christianity. It's the foundation that everything is built upon. I mean, for example, when you have a house... And in that house, over the years, you might see cracks in the walls. Maybe the doors don't work right anymore. You can't open them anymore. They're getting stuck. There's all of these issues in the house. And in reality, there's nothing wrong with the house. It's the foundation. And as Christians, we often... We come, we see the word here in verse 24, justified, our justification before God. Well, like that's how you come into Christianity. Okay, we, we understand the gospel. We understand how we are justified, made righteous before God. That's how we come in. But now we got to do this and do this and do this. I got to read my Bible, say my prayers. I got to go to church. I got to do all these things. 
And that's, see, I have these cracks in my house. I mean, these doors aren't working right anymore. Oh, I got to try harder. I got to do this. I got to do this. When the problem isn't any of those things, the problem is that you need to go back to the foundation of your justification by faith before God. If you have ever, you know, had problems, struggles in your Christian life, and you respond with, I need to try harder, that's because you aren't understanding this doctrine or applying this doctrine to your life. If you've ever been like, man, after that, I can't go before God. He doesn't want to hear from me. It's because you need to understand and believe and embrace this doctrine. So, I must say, however, that I'm not even going to get near to scratching the surface of this doctrine. It is more, I could have the voice of the archangels, the mind of the seraphim, and I will come nowhere close. I am, I'm going to fail trying to open this up, but Lord willing, he would be pleased to use my failure and bear fruit in your lives. So verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God. So that's what this justification is about. The righteousness of God. It says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So, is Paul here giving us something new. Is he saying that, oh, in times past, God worked through the law, but now it's something different. See, righteousness, we got through keeping the law before, but now God gives us a different righteousness. Well, no, because he says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They're like, so this isn't something new. We can go to chapter 4. It goes back to Genesis chapter 15. When Abraham, he's taken out. And God says, can you number the stars? So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. So what is this righteousness of God? It's something account, accounted to us or imputed to us. It's a righteousness that is not of ourselves. So it wasn't that God was like, okay, righteousness is by the law because Abraham came way before the law, 400 and some years before the law. And God already had established Righteousness is not by keeping the law, but believing. He was accounted righteous because of his faith. So here, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. But why? Why is it apart from the law? Is there a problem with the law? Why is it apart from the law? Well, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with me. 
The problem is with you. In Romans chapter 8, Paul will say, What the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. The law doesn't have a flesh. You do. And I do. The problem with the law is that the law can only condemn us. We, in Romans chapter 7, just a few chapters later, Paul, he raises the question, what then? Is the law sin? Is there something wrong with the law? It's like, no, on the contrary, I would not have known sin if it wasn't for the law. For if the law did not say, you shall not covet, I would not have known coveting. But he says, sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me every evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. But when the law came, sin revived and I died. See, we all have a flesh. And our flesh wants contrary to what the law of God demands. So, the problem isn't with the law. The problem is with you. The problem is with me. That's why the righteousness of God comes apart from the law. It can only condemn us. And not just simply the moral law of God. Well, like, yeah, I, I get it, the Ten Commandments, yeah. They, they tell me I ought to do this. Don't bear false witness. Don't steal. It says I ought to do these things, and I don't do them. Yes, that condemns me. But it's much more than that. Take the ceremonial law of God, for example. I'm sure some of you have gone to the book of Leviticus and been like, what is all this? Well, let me just give you an example of how even the ceremonial law of God condemns you. Therefore, point you to the need of a Savior. Let's take Leviticus chapter 12. It's just eight short verses, but it's about the ritual after childbirth. If a woman gives birth to a child, you know, she's unclean. And she has to go and offer a burnt offering, an offering of atonement, and a sin offering. So wait, you're telling me because a woman has a child, she has to offer a sin offering. What did she do wrong? Well, the answer is nothing. Doesn't God say be fruitful and multiply? That was done actually out of an act of obedience. Why does she have to go and offer a sin offering? She didn't do anything wrong. What is God teaching us? He's teaching us that the defilement, uncleanness, isn't just simply by what you do. It actually is within you. It comes out of you. Whatever you produce, it's stained by your sin. I mean, we go through you're condemned if you touch a dead body. Why? Well, death, we all know that goes back to the garden. The day you eat of it, you shall die. Death only comes as a result of sin. Okay, there's so many. We, we could go through the whole book of Leviticus. And you'll see it's constantly pointing you to the fact that, look, yes, there's sin offerings. Yes, there's burnt offerings. But... Regardless of what you do, 
you're always going to have to offer them. Why? Because you always need a atonement, a propitiation to cover your sins, to appease the wrath of God, even for the things like if you have a bodily discharge of blood. Those things make you unclean. You have to offer these sin offerings and everything. Why? Because the law shows you, you aren't clean. And even these animal sacrifices, you just have to offer them again and again and again and again and again. The writer of Hebrews goes through that. For the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. They're a reminder of sin year by year. So you see, when we go to the law of God, rather it's the moral law of God, the ceremonial law of God, it only condemns us, and as Paul says, it's a tutor to lead us to Christ. It teaches us, you are unclean. These animal sacrifices are not sufficient. You need something more, and it leads us to Christ. And to stand before God, as we see here, the righteousness of God. Just like we said, Abraham believed in the Lord. It was accounted to him as righteousness. Because God is righteous. And to stand before God, you have to be absolutely righteous. So, if you want the righteousness of God to come through the law, you have to keep it absolutely perfectly, without failure, ever. Thought, word, deed, Absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, none of us, we don't keep the law of God even in our sleep. It's impossible. I mean, j just think of the dreams we have. They don't honor God. They don't glorify God. We aren't loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and strength. It's absolutely impossible to be righteous before God by the law. Therefore, it has to come apart from the law and it's accounted to us by faith. As we said, Abraham believed in the Lord. It was accounted to him as righteousness. So the righteousness of God comes apart from the law because the law can only condemn us. But the righteousness of God, it comes through faith. As we see, in verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So why do the, does the righteousness of God have to come by faith? Well, as we see here, we've all sinned. There's no difference. And any of us here, we all have sinned. We've all broken the law of God. So it has to come by faith. It cannot come by your performance. It cannot come by your obedience. It comes by faith. Now, we, we all, we probably all have memorized verse 23 here. Since little kids, for all have sinned and found short of the glory of God. But I don't think we quite understand what that means. I don't even fully grasp what is in this verse. 
But we, it's often saying, oh, that's, yeah, we, we've all sinned. I mean, no one's perfect. Is, is that what Paul is saying? Is he saying, oh, it has to come by faith because no one's perfect. Is that what Paul's saying? Well, this word sin, you, you may have heard. It means to miss the mark. Yes, it means to miss the mark. But often we can think of it this way. You know, I'm shooting for this target. I could hit it, you know, but, but I, I just missed this time. That's not what this verse is saying. Because the second part of the verse defines the first. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, what does it mean to sin or miss the mark? It's to fall short of the glory of God. Now, pretty much every English translation uses the word fall short, which is a good translation. But I think the way that we generally use that it, it doesn't quite benefit us when it comes to this verse. Because this word falls short, it literally means to be in lack. Okay, we can say, oh, I'm, I'm going for this. Oh, I, I tried to jump the river. I fell short and I got wet. But that's not simply what this word means. It means to be in lack, in a constant state of lack. We have fallen short of the glory of God in that way. Let me give you an example. The nearest star, other than the sun, is, uh, what's it, um, four, four something light years away. Okay, So light traveling 186,000 miles a second takes over four years to get from the nearest star to your eye. That means that you can't even see what the star looks like today if you could look up and see it. We actually see what it looked like in 2019 or 2018. It could have went out of existence, yet we would not even know for over four years. Now, if I tell you, I want you to take a baseball, I want you to throw it and hit that star. You would fall short. And you would always be in lack. It doesn't matter who you are. You will always be in lack of hitting that mark. And that's what this is talking about. Not just simply, oh, I could do it. But this is, you are in lack. You completely lack God's standard. You cannot hit it. As hard as you tried. You, you could give every millisecond, every breath of your life to doing everything you can to hit the mark and you're not going to hit it. You're constantly going to be in lack. Therefore, it has to come by faith. So what is faith? We see here it's believing. It says, even through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So faith is believing. But is it simply believing? Because even the demons believe and tremble, as James says. So is this faith that accounts you as righteous before God, is it simply by just believing some facts? Oh, I believe 
in God who sent Jesus Christ. I believe he died for our sins. He suffered the wrath of God. I believe he rose on the third day. Oh, I believe. So therefore, I'm righteous before God. Therefore, I'm a Christian. Therefore, I have a hope of eternal life. Is, is that simply what it means to believe? Well, we see even right here, it's not just some general faith. It says, faith in Jesus Christ. So, there's an object of your faith. In Matthew, in chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel, he comes to Joseph, he says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So when you put faith, when you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're not just believing, oh, this is who you are, this is what you did. No, it is coming to one who has provided the atonement or provided the um, sacrifice, who's provided the only way your sins can be forgiven. There's no other way. You say all roads lead to God? No. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is our only hope. It isn't faith in him plus. It isn't faith in him minus. It's faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone, and his person, and his work as your only hope, your only standing before God. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ, not some general belief. Jesus Christ, Christ, is that a last name? No, Christ means the anointed one of God. He, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the Messiah, God's chosen, the one, the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. It's the chosen, the anointed one of God sent into this world that Isaiah speaks of that Joel speaks of, that all of the prophets bear witness to Christ, the anointed one of God who was your only hope. And this Jesus is Lord. And he has said, if anyone would come after me, if you want to be saved, in other words, he says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you will keep it. If you believe that, are you going to say, well, well, that's a good suggestion, Jesus, but, you know, I actually rather do this. I actually rather, you know, I, I kind of want to save my life. I kind of, I, I, I don't want people to think bad about me. And do we do that? No. He is Lord. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? You bow the knee before him as Lord. What he says is truth. And you hold on to that truth like you would hold on to a parachute when you're thrown out of a plane. That is your lifeline. That is everything to you. 
That's faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where the righteousness of God comes from. But you say, okay, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, but I still break the law. I'm still a sinner. I mean, so I get it. He, uh, Abraham believed God, and God accounted his faith as righteousness. I get that. But then, down the road, what happens? I mean, does, does he mess up, and now... He has to believe again and be made righteous, and then he's unrighteous, then he's righteous, then he's unrighteous, and righteous. Does it go like that? I mean, what happens with this faith? And this is something all of us need to grasp, because many times, as, as I briefly mentioned before, we're like, okay... I'm justified. I'm righteous before God. Oh, but now I messed up. Now, now, now God, he, he doesn't want to hear from me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. He, he isn't answering my prayers. You know, it, it, it makes sense for my life to be going like this, my marriage to be going like this, because God doesn't care. I've, I've, I've sinned too much. I know at one time I was righteous before him, but now I don't know. Well, that's when we look at our performance again. It isn't about your performance. It's about faith. Have you ever gone to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and read through that list and been surprised at some of the people on that list? I'll give you one, Samson. You're like, did the writer of Hebrews even read his Old Testament? I mean, where is faith in this man's life? I mean, where is the evidence? Okay, I mean, okay, I, I get it. You know, God came to his parents, you know, and granted them this son. But this son grew up. His first act was like, hey, I want that woman. Go get her. Then, then it complete disregard for the law of God his whole life. It's filled with lust and everything else. And now it comes to the end of his life. You're like, oh, for sure. He's, he's going to do something now that's going to be a great act of faith. So he puts his hand on the two pillars. And you're like, now he's going to say, God, let me avenge your enemies or vindicate your name. And he goes, God... Let me take vengeance on my enemies for my eyes. You're like, what? Well, where's faith in this man's life? Yet, he's in Hebrews 11, while many others aren't. Wow. So what does that say to you? It says, regardless of how your life may look, now, of course, next week, Lord willing, we'll get to sanctification. But as for now, regardless of how your life may look, how much you struggle with sin, God looks upon your faith. And not only the first time accounts it as righteousness, every time he looks at you, you are accounted absolutely righteous 
perfectly righteous. It's when he looks at you, it's as if he's looking at Jesus Christ every time. It doesn't matter what you did. You are righteous before God. Now consider this. And I, I realize it's dangerous to say this. But do you realize that David, when he was in the midst of his sin, when he was writing uh, Uriah's death letter, when he was getting him drunk, when he was with Bathsheba, through that whole time, God looked upon his faith and he accounted it as righteousness. David standing before God never changed that entire time. When he was writing Psalm 23 and when he was with Bathsheba, his standing before God was exactly the same. Why? Because it wasn't based off his performance. It's based off his faith. And I don't know what, what you may have done this week. What you may be dealing with right this moment. Maybe you can't even focus on the sermon because your mind's on that thing. Like, how could I have done that? I call myself a Christian. I mean, God can't be pleased with me right now. There is no way God looks at me and sees me as righteous. I'm filthy. I'm a sinner. I'm corrupt. But God looks upon your faith. And he accounts it as righteous. Righteousness. You are perfectly righteous. And that will not change. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are perfectly righteous. And that should be how you view yourself. That should be. How you speak of yourself. Like I said, this is the foundation. And you might be like, man, I have these cracks in my life. These doors aren't working. This has shifted. This has shifted. What is wrong? We're trying to fix the house. We're patching this up, patching this up. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray more. I need to go to church. I need to try harder. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. And what you need to do, go back to the foundation. You're, you're looking at yourself wrongly. You're looking at yourself through the eyes of your works, what you can do. Look at yourself through the eyes of faith. Have you ever considered, as you read your Bible, you read the New Testament, yes, I get it. There is Paul saying, wretched man that I am. There is Paul saying, I'm the chief of sinners. But do you know every single time that Paul refers to himself or any other Christian as a sinner, it's only to magnify the grace of God. Only. Every single time. He never refers. We hear scriptures like, the heart is deceitful, above all things, desperately sick. Who can know it? And as Christians, we say, yeah, my heart's so deceitful, it's desperately sick. And No, no, no. You have a new heart, a new spirit within you. That is not your heart. We, we hear scriptures like Genesis 5, 6. Every thought, every Intention of the man's heart is wicked and evil continually. And as Christians, we're like, yep, yep, that's true about, no, it's not true about you. 
If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that is not true about you. What is true about you is you are the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you view yourself. And the rest of your Christian life is going to fall apart if the foundation is incorrect. You view yourself through the lens of scripture. View yourself through the lens of faith in Jesus Christ. You are righteous before God through faith in Jesus Christ. So now we get to what that faith is really built on in verse 24. It says being justified, the word justified means to be declared righteous before God. Being justified, the New King James uses the word freely. Okay, others use the word gift. In John, uh, I think the best translation of this we get in John 15, where this word is translated without a cause. So we're justified, we're made righteous before God without a cause. There isn't anything you did, there isn't anything I did or will ever do that will give God a cause to account us as righteous or to, for us to continue as righteous before him. It's done without a cause on our side, but it's by grace. It's a gift of grace to us. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift of grace. This righteousness comes through grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I wish we had time to really dive into that word redemption. But I'll just say this. We, we all know what it means to go into an arcade or something. And we go and we get our tickets. And then we go to the counter to what? To redeem a prize. To turn in the tickets to redeem a prize. So what is this redemption? What does it mean? Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How did Jesus Christ redeem us? Well, to take that analogy. So here we have Jesus Christ walk into this arcade so to speak and let's say God is the man behind the counter and all of you all of us are sitting on that shelf and as we're sitting on that shelf all of us are subject to the wrath of the almighty God because as we've seen here, we all lack the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all broken the law. We are all just waiting our turn for his wrath. It's as if we're sitting there. And we, we look at our, on our right. And we see some just plunge into hell. And to suffer God's wrath eternally. We look on the left. And some more plunge into hell and we're just sitting there and we're like when is it my turn and am I going to plunge into hell am I going to suffer the wrath of God for all eternity and then this man this man walks up to the counter and this man he says see them right there 
And God the Father, He's like, yeah. He's like, I want them. And God's like, it's going to cost you. And the man, who is Jesus, he says, and how much? And God says, it's going to cost you your life. Right here and now. You must lay down your life. You must shed your blood on this counter to purchase these people. And we could say this, it's, it's as if he's like, well, are, are, are they really worth that much? I mean, these people are sinners. They deserve the wrath of God. That, that's exactly what they deserve. If any of us goes to heaven, we didn't get what we deserve. We're often like, oh, I don't deserve this. Well, anything you get that is not hell is absolutely much better than you deserve. All of us deserve hell for all eternity to suffer the wrath of God. So it isn't that we're worth something. Just like we said, without a cause. We give Jesus no cause. But Jesus again said, I want them I will lay down my life for them. I will shed my blood for them. And I will purchase them. I will redeem them unto myself. This is redemption. And it comes without a cause by God's grace. And not only does he purchase us, but he purchases us and he clothes us in his righteousness as we see in this text. So, it's a gift of grace. And you're like, well, okay, it's a gift of grace, but I'm not that bad. Well, let's just back up a little. Let, let's see if Paul agrees with us, or if God agrees with us. Verse 10, Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. No one born into this world, regardless of what they do. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. You're like, wait, wait, I know some people that seek, no, they don't seek after God. They seek for something, they don't seek after God. And you didn't either, and I didn't. God sought me. God saved me. It's all the work of God. It says, they have all turned aside. Well, if we're in groups, we're better, right? They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb, their tongues, they practice deceit, the poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You're like, okay, but I can at least go to the law 
and it can help me out a little bit, right? Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. As we said, the moral law, ceremonial law, every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Law can't help you either. So how are we justified? How are we declared righteous before God? It's through faith. It's without a cause. It's a gift given to us. Faith is a gift. Repentance, turning away from your sin to Christ, that is a gift. It is all of God. It is all a gift of grace. If you are in here this morning and you have put your faith in Christ Jesus as your only hope, you have cast your life upon him. Then glorify God because you didn't do that. That's God's grace upon you. And now by God's grace, you are absolutely, perfectly righteous before God with a righteousness you can't even comprehend. Do you know in the book of Job, it says God can charge the angels with error. Do you know it says that even the heavens are impure in his sight. So what kind of standard of righteousness does God have that goes beyond being sinless? Even the angels don't have this righteousness. But if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, do you know that you're more righteous than those seraphim that sing holy, holy, holy before God? That's inconceivable, but it's true. But if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, those verses we read, 10 through 18, that's describing you. There's none righteous. No, not one. And that includes you. You're like, well, I do this, I do this. Maybe you're like, well, I obey my parents, you know, I, I get good grades in school, I obey my teachers. Or maybe you're older and you're like, well, I work hard to provide for my family. You know, I don't cheat on my taxes. You know, I try my best to be honest. I, I mean, I said a little white lie the other day, but I mean, I'm, I'm generally a pretty good person. This can't be me. I'm not righteous. I'm not good. I'm unprofitable. What? No, I don't see God. Come on, I go to church. I read my Bible. If you have not cast your life upon Christ by faith, that is you. But you don't have to walk out of here still being that same person. You can look upon Christ. Christ Jesus, who has provided a means that you can be not only saved from your sin, but be made perfectly righteous and given a new nature, which Lord willing will dive into more next week. You don't have to walk out of here on your way to hell.
You can be saved this morning. You can come to Christ this morning. So for those of you who have come to Christ, who have put your faith in Christ Jesus, I would challenge you this week. Don't say, I'm going to try harder. Don't say, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to seek more Christian fellowship. All of those things are good. All of those things are necessary. But that's not how you fix the cracks in your house. Yeah, I might patch it up for a little bit. But it's going to end up worse than before. How do you fix it? You go back to your justification before God. You remind yourself, I am the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And you conduct yourself off of that. When you've sinned, and yes, we should be grieved with a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's true. But when you have sinned, what do you do? Oh, God doesn't want to see me right now. No, we run to God with boldness, knowing we are still the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you, you have those temptations, oh man, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm filthy, I'm corrupt, I'm abominable. You say, no, I'm the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. Don't, don't even refer to yourself as a sinner. You refer to yourself as God refers to you, as the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Go back to the foundation and continue to work on that foundation. Yes, you must get into the word of God. Yes, you must pray, but not just as some things you must do. But to build on the foundation. I need to grow in my understanding and learn how to embrace who I am in Christ. And that is what we live our Christian lives out upon. That is who you are in Christ. Now some may say, if that's true, and I'm perfectly righteous regardless of what I do, it really doesn't matter how I live then. Well, I'm do a John MacArthur and say that's next week's sermon. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. He was sent without a cause. We gave him no cause to come to us to provide the righteousness of God, to clothe us in his righteousness. Father, we, we often have such a small view of justification that justification is just the forgiveness of sins. Well, we can be forgiven all our sins 
and still not go to heaven because it's more than forgiveness. You have to be absolutely perfectly righteous. And that is what you have provided through your son. Father, I know I did a, a pathetic job dealing with these things this morning. I have tried to throw a baseball at the nearest star. Have fallen so short. I am in so much lack. But I pray that you would be pleased. To use this sermon even as a finger. Pointing the right direction. I pray that if anyone in here. Has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. That they would do that this morning. And as for my brethren. I'm sure there are many in here. Struggling. Many in here. Maybe even making plans of. How they're going to try harder. How they're going to read the Bible more. How they're going to pray more. How they're going to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. I pray that you would just come and convince them that no, what they need to do is go back to the foundation and live there and let everything come out of there. That they are the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I have asked or have even thought, in Jesus' name, amen.